Hi there. You're listening to Lindisfarne Anglican Church's Sermon Podcast, a place where you can hear God's Word preached if you weren't able to join us at one of our services during the week. My prayer for you today is that as you listen to this message, you'd be challenged, encouraged, and equipped to live as a disciple of Christ in the world. May God richly bless you as you listen to this message today. I can remember... Uh, this one time, maybe it's happened a few more times, but this one particular time uh, when I was having uh, some problems with a couple of people whom I went to church with. Uh, We had a bit of a disagreement uh, about something uh, and sort of as as I got to think about the way that we were handling things, uh, I started feeling that the way that they had been conducting themselves required me to um, kind of Take, take things up with them. Uh, and uh, in the process of trying to sort things out, uh, as human beings do, things got messy. Uh, and uh, as we were trying to sort things out, I, I made a few dumb mistakes here and there uh, and uh, you know, did a few things that, uh, upon reflection, maybe I shouldn't have done. Uh, and we ended up uh, trying to meet together, trying to sort out the things they'd done, trying to sort out the things I'd done, trying to sort through uh, all these issues. Uh, and as I got to the sort of end of this process, I realised this really weird thing had happened. That in the process of uh, me coming together with these people and trying to sort things out, uh, what I'd expect to happen did not occur, but this, this, this other strange thing happened. See, instead of them being thankful that I was willing to own my side of the problem, they were just glad that I had apologised. They they, they seemed happy that because I'd apologised, they'd been proved right. Uh, They had absolutely no ability to reflect on how they might have contributed to the mess we were in. And and as we walked out of uh, what I thought was going to be a great coming together of Christian brothers and sisters uh, to own our mistakes, uh, to to be reminded that we're all on the same team and to to move forward together in grace and love, ended up being me leaving going, that was weird, and them leaving going, see, we knew it was all his fault in the first place. Now, I tell you this story not to make me sound like the good guy, but just as an example of how as Christians we do need to take seriously the words of Jesus in this Sermon on the Plain, these words of being slow to judgment, being long in self-reflection, and these words that call us to live lives of, uh, uh, that uh, produce fruit from a heart that is full of the love and the grace of God. Living life under Christ is not easy, and yet God calls us to do difficult things as a result of the difficult thing he's done for us, dying so that we might live. The Sermon on the Plain, that's where we've been spending our time as we've been working through Luke's Gospel over the last few weeks, apart from when we've been doing other things like Remembrance Day and stuff, uh, is a sermon... Where, where, where Jesus is showing us what it looks like to live as one of his people. It's a sermon where Jesus is placing the values of the kingdom of God sort of out there plainly for us to see and in the place where we find them in the story, 
They are values that sit in stark contrast to the values of the Pharisees who are are about rule-keeping, who are about projecting uh, uh, the appearance of righteousness when perhaps maybe they've missed the heart of God entirely. Jesus says in this Sermon on the Plain that in his kingdom... We are blessed not by having this appearance of righteousness, not by having it all together and doing the right thing, but actually by coming to God in humility and in poverty of spirit. That's where Jesus starts with his blessings and woes in verses 17 to 26 of chapter 6. As he opens up this sermon, he says, uh, if you want to be blessed, you need to come to God empty-handed, poor, trusting that he will fill you trusting that he will take care of you, trusting that he will wipe your tears away, that one day he will put everything right. For woe to those who come full, thinking they've got it all together. Jesus begins very starkly contrasting the difference between those who are in his kingdom and who get what he's about and those who don't. It starts in humility. And Jesus reminds the, the, the disciples that also with uh, following after Jesus comes persecution. He says, blessed are the persecuted. He says, rejoice in the face of that persecution. He says, woe to those that speak well of you. When you follow the persecuted and crucified saviour, Jesus says, you will be persecuted. And when you are You need to be joyful about it. And then he goes on, as we saw in our next sermon, to say not only do you need to be joyful in your your persecution, you actually need to love those who are persecuting you. You need to love your enemies, verses 27 to 36. Uh, And he goes through that whole section talking about the the radical self-giving love of the disciple of Christ, even to the one who would persecute you, the one who is your enemy. And he rounds out that whole section in verse 36 with these words, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Jesus is calling us to be like God. Rich in mercy and grace, even to the undeserving. And as he finishes by summarising that love for enemy as this, this need for great mercy, be merciful just as your father is merciful, he also opens up this next section that we have in our reading today. For I think we have more evidence here uh, in this reading, particularly in verses 37 and 38, as we'll look at in a moment, of the kind of life of mercy that God is calling us to so that we can be more like our Father in heaven. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful, Jesus says, verse 36. Verse 37, what's that like? Well, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Interesting words. The merciful one will be one who is not judgmental, not not, not one who condemns. One who forgives, one who gives. As uh, one scholar reflects on these words of Jesus following straight after that command to be merciful, he says this, It is no accident that Jesus' words against judgmentalism come right after the call to be merciful as God is. 
An unwillingness to be judgmental is almost a requirement for those who face persecution. Without it, lines of battle would become hardened and the ability to love the enemy would be destroyed. God is interested not in polemics, but in offering the hope of restored relationship to the lost. See, what he's saying, what Jesus is saying, is that if we're going to be people of joy in the face of persecution, if we're going to be people who really do love our enemies even when they are out to kill us, then we're going to need to be people who are slow to judge and condemn, especially slow to judge and condemn those who hate us. For we know, don't we, that when someone's out to get us, judgment and condemnation comes easily. It helps us kind of make sense of the conflict that we're in. We can simply write off that person as some sort of fool, some idiot, someone who doesn't get it. When people are making our lives tough, judgment and condemnation comes easy. And if they do, then it's nearly impossible for us to be merciful lovers like God has been to us. And so, instead of being judgmental and condemnationary, Jesus says we need to be extremely generous and graceful. He says these words in verse 38. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, I don't know about you, but I read those words and I go, I don't know what that means. Um, it just seems so kind of totally random in the context of what Jesus is saying. But let me tell you uh, uh, that it is a metaphor that Jesus is using from the way that they used to measure grain in Jesus' day. And uh, what they used to do uh, is pour in the grain, uh, and make sure uh, that there was enough. They'd kind of do some shaking, tap it down, and then pour in more to make sure the full amount went into the cup. I guess you can think of it a bit like this. Uh, they used to serve out grain like the Chinese takeaway shop serves out its fried rice, not like the chip company serves out its uh, chip packets. You're confused? Let me tell you. Okay, every time I go to the shops and I buy a packet of chips, I'm bitterly disappointed. Bitterly disappointed. Because I look at this plump, delicious-looking packet of chips and I think, well, this is going to be tasty, and I open them up, and I, I sort of look, and I look deeper, and I realise that I've bought a packet of air with a few chips thrown in. Because um, that's what happens, isn't it, right? Now, they tell me it's so that the chips don't get crushed or some rubbish like that, but it's actually because they're stingy, right? Uh, the, ch- the chip people need to get their act together. Uh, Jesus is saying, don't be like that. Don't be like the chip guys. Be like the Chinese takeaway. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a Chinese takeaway shop. There's a not-too-bad one just across the road down here. Uh, and uh, when you go to a Chinese takeaway shop, you order some fried rice, uh, there's sort of this magical thing that happens there where uh, they get their fried rice bowl, uh, like your takeaway bowl, and they sort of scoop the fried rice in, uh, and then they kind of push it down with a spoon, and then they scoop more in, and then it kind of mounds up over the top of the, the fried rice container, and then they get the lid. And they just put it on and somehow 
it pushes down the, the fried rice and you've just got like this much fried rice in a container that's this big and then you open it up and there's just fried rice everywhere because uh, they're the most generous people I've ever met. No disappointment when you buy Chinese fried rice, that's for sure. Well, that's the kind of analogy that Jesus is using here. He's saying you need to be extremely and outrageously generous in the way that you behave towards other. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into that for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In your application of grace and mercy, Jesus says, in your withholding of judgment and condemnation, Jesus says, be exceedingly generous. Because if you're generous... I think, one, both God will be generous to you, but also others will be generous to you as well. Jesus calls us to this radical lack of judgment, lack of condemnation, over-exuberant generosity of spirit towards others, particularly towards our enemies, it would seem. And I guess that raises an interesting question, doesn't it? I mean, it raises a question for me as a pastor. When I read these words, do not judge. I think, well, what? How, like, I need to make some sort of judgments about, about people. How, how, how does this work? How do I deal with sin? How do I confront my friend who I might notice uh, is sinning? Can I even do that? Is, am I allowed to? What, what is Jesus calling us to here? Well, let's think about this in a couple of ways. First, the context in which this command is given. It's given to the Christian who's living a life of mercy primarily towards the outsider, in fact, primarily towards his enemy or his persecutor. And so I think we have to keep that in mind, don't we? Jesus' words here for to not judge, to not condemn, I think are primarily words towards the outsider, towards the enemy. It's very easy, isn't it, to go, well... That person over there, uh, they're making my life hard because I'm a Christian. Little do they know uh, what's coming to them. Ha, ha, ha. Jesus says, no, withhold judgment and instead approach them with love and mercy for that's what I've done to you and I want to do to them. Jesus calls us to live that kind of life and we have to keep that in mind. However, we're also called to, to have a relationship with our brothers and sisters where we are able to call things out. Jesus does say something like that in verses 41 to 42. Have a look. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, definitely what Jesus is saying here is, is not go around and take out specks, right? He's saying look at yourself first. But he is saying that you, you, it is possible to go and point out other uh, people's uh, failings, for lack of a better word. Uh, but what does Jesus mean when he says these words? He means that our relationship to our brothers and sisters in Christ again needs to be one of generous humility. 
that we have to make sure that we're constantly checking our hearts. You see, too easy, we can desire to point out the sin in another's life to avoid looking at the sin in our own. We need to make sure we do a heart check before we rush to fix up someone else's problems. We have to make sure that we're more interested in correcting ourselves than we are in correcting others. But we can examine the lives of others. We can. We can say, hey, mate, there's a speck in your eye. But we can't do it if we're not living lives of humble, gracious self-reflection. I think that Paul puts the words of Jesus about planks and specks into a more clear and concrete language in Galatians. In chapter, one, uh, chapter 6, verse 1, Paul says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Paul here, I think, really clearly laying out the kind of uh, vibe that Jesus is going for. That we are called to give moral encouragement, but to do so with great humility and with great respect for the other person whom we're seeking to correct. That is, it's a terrible road when we're trying to correct the person because we want to feel good. It's a much better road when we're worried for them and we're praying for them and we're hoping for their good. What does it look like? Let me tell you another story. I remember... When I was a, a youth minister, I had a youth leader and uh, Facebook was still kind of relatively new uh, and so I was sort of pressing page down or something to scroll through my Facebook feed because I didn't have an iPhone in these days uh, and I was looking uh, at my Facebook feed and one day uh, up on my screen pops a picture of one of my youth leaders um, in a club not wearing very much, making out with a total stranger. And I thought, that's not very good. And if I can see this, who else can see? Anyway, uh, as I'm sort of thinking, how am I going to deal with this? I've got a leadership issue, but I've got this person uh, who uh, is young and uh, who I need to try and help think through the implications of Christian leadership, but also their own Christian life. I'm trying to figure all this out, but I'm also only too keenly aware that thankfully I'm just a little bit too old for Facebook to have existed when I was 17 or 18 or 19. Uh, And so uh, there are things that potentially could have popped up on Facebook when I was that age that might have put me in some sort of awkward conversation with my minister at the time as well. And so... I guess the the point of that story, not to be like, hey, I do bad things too, but to say when we approach people, we do so with grace and humility, seeking their good. As I remembered my own brokenness, I was able to approach her in a way that I think was gentle and gracious, but still firm and true. Uh, She's going great guns now. She's married and... Uh, lovely Christian girl and uh, life is good for her so I like to think that's got something to do with me uh, uh, having a a crack at trying to help her uh, grow back then but it probably has very little to do with it at all. Um, uh, As we reflect on this this need to 
to, to be gentle in the way we approach people, to, to, to point out sin but to do so with graciousness and humility. Uh, I've heard people talk about uh, it like this. We need to be people of both grace and truth. And I've, we've been talking about this in our small group. Uh, that is, we need to be people who hold the truth of God and call people to his truth and at the same time be all too keenly aware that we only stand in his grace because we've fallen short of those standards ourselves. If we are all grace and no truth, then we remain caught in our sin. If we are all truth and no grace, we become arrogant and ungracious Pharisees whom the Lord Jesus confronts. Jesus is calling us to find a balance here. So how can we do it? How can we live this kind of judgment-free but compassionate care for people, life that Jesus is talking about? Well, we see two things uh, in the remaining verses. We need to follow Jesus and bear fruit. Verses 39 and 40, he also told them this parable, Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. If we want to live the way Jesus is calling us to live, then we need to be trained by him. We need to allow him to teach us. We need to become like him. We need to get to know him. We need to spend time with him. We will become like those who we allow to teach us. So let us let the Lord Jesus be our teacher. How? I think there are three main ways. There's probably more. But we be students of the word, people of prayer and members of his community. As we study the word of God, the Bible, we get to know what Jesus is like. We meet with him in the pages of scripture. As we bring our cares and concerns to him, we speak with him. And as we gather in places like this, we're encouraged to see God at work in our lives and the lives of our brothers and sisters. It helps us to become more like him. And when we are doing that, when we're getting to know our teacher, when we're getting to know our teacher Jesus, then we produce good fruit. Verses 43 to 45. No, tree, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognised by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. You see, as I was thinking about this sermon, I thought I could probably give you ten tips for being less judgmental. Uh, and you might find that sort of some use. Uh, however, it seems to me better to leave it where Jesus leaves it to encourage you today to examine your hearts. Because it seems to me that all these things Jesus is talking about in this sermon are things that flow naturally out of a heart that is full of the grace and love of God. So where is your heart? Because it is out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. Is your heart full of the love of Christ? Then of course you'll be slow to judge. Extremely gracious and compassionate in the way you interact with others. 
I want to finish today by encouraging you then to be captivated by the Lord Jesus. To have your heart transformed by your knowledge and love of him. To spend time with him. Because that's the only way you've got even a hope of coming near the kind of ethic that Jesus has for us in this sermon. Allow the Lord Jesus to transform your heart and then watch your life conform to his teaching. Amen. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. I hope you're encouraged by God as he spoke to you by his Holy Spirit. Please head to our website if you'd like more information about our church. www.lindisfarneanglican.org.au Or like us on Facebook by searching Lindisfarne Anglican. We are a church for Lindisfarne, making disciples of Jesus. God bless.